With more than 60 episodes in the game, KP and PR are still dropping gems. Secrets continues to bring you the hot fire that you have grown to expect. Listeners describe Secrets as the ultimate receipt for motivating the underrepresented employee to be bold in achieving their career aspirations in corporate America. And season four will definitely not disappoint as they deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get your market value. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season four. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. Ricky, how you doing today, my brother? Hey, man, I'm hanging. I'm hanging. I'm hanging. Hey, at one of our recent Secrets Happy Hours, which are a success by chance for you guys, right? If you have not gotten or registered for that, you might want to do so. <laughs> That's right. right? They're fine. They're fine. But, you know, one of our listeners at the, at the last happy hour asked us to spit a little bit more knowledge about microaggressions, mm-hmm. right? Because this is not really like one of those one and done no, type never, of things. Like never. It's going to always happen. And as soon as you get hip to one of these things, they're going to change the game and come up with another there formula, we go. right? That's right. On our second episode in the history of secrets, we touched on microaggressions, but the world has changed or transformed a great deal since we put that episode out. So we're starting out, look, what is it, our third year of COVID? Yep. And lots of people are working remotely now, and some of them forever. Uh And companies are being held to a different standard when it comes to fighting inequality in the workplace. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's amazing just in these two years how much things have changed. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just crazy. And one of the interesting paradoxes, Ricky, that's showing up is the experiences of some marginalized employees versus other marginalized employees. For example, black employees actually reporting that working remotely has helped them. They're actually receiving less microaggressions, right? You know, during this time, while our AAPI Asian colleagues are actually receiving more microaggressions. Right. All that stuff, like the kung flu and the China virus, <sighs> and all that stuff that's come up over the last two years, they're actually feeling the heat, yeah, feeling mm-hmm. the pain. Where for us, working remotely has been a godsend for many marginalized employees in terms of emotional and physical health, as well as just financial strain, you know, the ability to be home, to not have to worry about childcare and all the other things that come along in our lives that other people don't have to deal with have actually been exacerbated yeah, during this yeah. time. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. And I think another paradox, you know, that I'm seeing kind of play out is just like these slick ass comments, yeah. you know, with people like, and this is what, you know, when Keith and I talk, sometimes we're talking about slick tonsils. Yes. This is what we're talking this about, right? Well, people questioning your commitment to the company and what you're doing with your time, mm-hmm. right? Because they can't see you. They can't pass by they can't you. Pass, so yeah. now they're only imagining, right? And depending on what the maturity stage at your company is, even like the maturity of your leaders, you may be asked to do more with respect to your time, totally disregarding your commitment to yourself, your family, or any extracurricular things outside of work that you might have going on. Mm-hmm. For example, if you start your day at 6 or 7 a.m., And then you shut it down, let's call it around 3 or 4 p.m., but you're still getting a ton of email messages or text messages after 5 or 6 p.m. 
you may start to get a narrative for not being accessible or responsive. Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 damn, you got started way earlier when they were still sleeping and dreaming. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So those slick comments via email or in the form of meetings when someone says, oh, you are working today, or hey, you didn't respond to the message or my request yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, again, we're talking about service level agreements that you may have had before the pandemic and before this new, right. you know, way of working, now people all of a sudden are getting brand new, yeah. right? Yet, you know, these are just some examples that challenge your work ethic and commitment to the company. Yeah, this is so, so true. <laughs> I've seen it play out so many times. And all of this just leads to continued trauma mm-hmm. for underrepresented and marginalized employees. Yeah, so we thought it was time for us to maybe revisit this topic, you know, and kind of hit up this microaggressions 2.0, you know, piece here, right? So in today's episode, we will take it a level deeper on microaggressions and bring some heat to you as we start talking about this and and uncovering some items. Mm -hmm. We'll also share more examples of microaggressions and some of our personal stories. We'll provide some receipts on the impact of microaggressions on marginalized groups. And finally, we will close out with four secrets on how to deal with microaggressions, both as a perpetrator and as a victim. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start with the science first. We're going to do a little (laughs) definition setting for all the people who are just curious again about what microaggressions are. The next level of microaggressions, we defined them before for you, but really we're going a level deeper this time. And there are three types of microaggressions when it comes to it. There are micro assaults, Mm -hmm. there's micro insults, and there's micro invalidations, (laughs) right? So let's start with the first one, micro assaults. Micro assaults occur when someone engages in intentional discrimination, bullying, or insensitivity. And examples of this include racial slurs, telling racial jokes, displaying offensive symbols, and mocking a person's cultural norms. Yeah. How many times have we been seeing some of that shit? Yeah, and again, depending on which groups or circles you're running in, sometimes people think this shit is funny. Right. You know, or they think you're being sensitive when you call it out. A sensitive, that's right. And I can't tell you how many times I've rolled through places in the South, upstate New York, wherever, seeing Confederate flags. Yep. Just all kinds of Those are micro assaults at the end of the day. You have that shit up because you know what it means. Right, right. Right. And you know what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. So you can't be innocent by just saying <laughs> you're trying to protect your heritage or some bullshit like that. You know what this stuff means. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, again, keeping people in place. So, look, the next one is like micro insults. Okay. Micro insults, they occur when someone intentionally or unintentionally demeans another person on the basis of their protected class. Mm. Okay. Micro insults can be intentional or unintentional and are sometimes couched as compliments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're so articulate. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're pretty for a for a black, for girl, a black girl. girl. It's like, oh, mm. okay. Mm. Nice. Okay, your English is so good. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, you're so well spoken. You oh, know, goodness. it's like, where, where, where are we going with this? Where are we going? <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. And the last form of microaggression is a micro invalidation. And this occurs when someone intentionally or unintentionally excludes, ignores, or discredits a person based on their membership in a culture or protected class. 
some examples of this, and we see these all the time, mm-hmm. when people express colorblindness, oh, I don't see color. <laughs> so now you're discrediting everybody else, right? Uh-huh. You chalk things up to meritocracy mm-hmm. or individualism, right? right. You, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and all that other stuff right at the end of the day. Those are micro-invalidations because what you're saying is like, I did it, so why can't you? Right, right. I see it. Why don't you? I mean, why are we talking about reparations, Keith? Right. Why are we talking about all like, this Why stuff? are we talking about reparations? Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Are we talking about everybody who, you know, was discriminated against, who came to this company and, mm-hmm. and received some type of uh, payment or whatnot? Well, if you could just pull up your bootstraps. We're, we're immigrants, too. Right. And we came and worked hard. Like, so again, you're invalidating what actually took place. Right. <laughs> the experiences of other people. Right, right. Again. So look, man. Microaggressions can take the form of secondary microaggressions such as gaslighting, victim blaming, and attempting to speak for others. No okay? doubt. Gaslighting would include trying to convince a person of color that a racist microaggression was, in fact, not, not racist. racist. Hey, they so, didn't mean it that way. They didn't mean it that way. How you going to tell me what? He's <laughs> like, look, let me tell you how it made me feel. Right. You just being sensitive. Being sensitive. Yeah, yeah. That's not what that meant. Victim blaming means faulting a person for their reaction to a microaggression. Right? Like, hey, you just acting like the victim, right? Right. Rather than blaming the perpetrator, like, let, let's talk about what they That's said. Right. That's right. He's really a nice guy. He really didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And speaking for others includes statements like, I think what you really meant to say was like, or I think what no. he really meant to say right. was like, no, don't speak for don't them. Don't speak for them, but don't speak for me. I said what I said. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. And we got a litany, a mm-hmm. list of other microaggressions just to give some examples and share some of some of how some of these have impacted us. You think about a microaggression, you got a group of men in the room. Yep. And we've we've been a part of this mm-hmm. and we've seen it, right? You in the room, whole group of men, one female, everybody look at her and expect her to take the notes in yeah. the meeting. Oh my God, that is so <laughs> rude every time that happens. You right. Know? Right. And it's like that's a microaggression it because really it's is. like you're saying you're a female. You're supposed to be the secretary. You're supposed to be the one that's taking care of us. Mm-hmm. It's so insulting. It is. At the end of the day. And I would say, for me, I know you do too, Ricky. We notice that shit. All the time. All the time. And then you and then you feel obligated to like, oh, I'll take notes just to help. Yeah. Help that lady take save face a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just crazy. Yeah. And... I know what it may look like. You know, it's hard to say when you're the only, mm-hmm. you know, when someone asks you to do something. But when you say, uh, no, can somebody else take the notes? Or, uh, right. you know, it can put you in an adverse situation. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so we absolutely get it. But it is a microaggression. This is a very, very good example. Mm-hmm. I think the other one is mispronouncing or constantly not remembering someone's name. Yeah. I mean, just jacking it up. We, I mean, we talked about this in episode 14 of season one, and we called it dissing my name, you mm-hmm. know, in that episode, right? I mean, how hard is it to 
say someone's name correctly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You can phonetically figure that stuff out and ask them, how do you do it? Just ask. People appreciate that. Or if you can't pronounce whoever's name, you're like, I'm going to just call you X. Like, yes. that ain't my name. That's not my name. <laughs> That's, That's not, not my, my name. name. And I've heard this so many times from my AAPI colleagues in particular, mm-hmm. where it's like people don't take the time to learn their name. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see so many of them just pick an American name. Like, fuck, I'll just take an American mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can remember that. And they still don't even get that right. But at the end of the day, all of it is just like, you don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it, it pisses me off, to be right. honest with you, because I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. We have coworkers today who just say, it's okay. It's okay. But they, it's they just not got okay. used to it. They just got used to got it. So used it's perpetuating it. the uh, microaggression there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or you have this situation where you assume that a Latinx person is Mexican or immigrated into the country or even just speak Spanish. Right. You know, you start, hey, I mean, you go blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I was born in America. Right. I don't speak Spanish. So why are you talking to me like that? Yeah. And my heritage is not Mexican. That's right. And it's not Mexican. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it might be something else, but like, literally, like, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, horrible, you know, things. But again, we call ourselves being an ally. We call ourselves doing these things, but you can't be both. Like, you, you can't, can't be an ally and then you're doing this shit on the Doing that stuff. That's right? right. You know, I think the other one... Is and look, we we can speak directly to this because we fall Ooh. into this category. But asking the only black person in the room how black people will react to a certain situation, an initiative, or marketing campaign. Mm. I mean, like, look, okay, look, we're in the in the midst of Black History Month. Yes, we. <laughs> you know, we're in the yeah. midst of Black History Month, man, and everybody want to say ask you, given the role that you're in, is this okay for us to do this? You know, what about this quote? What about these events? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to plan all of the Black History Month events. No. I don't even want to read everything and say, so at the end of that, you're like, well, Ricky said it was okay. Right, exactly. (laughs) Keith said it was all right. Right, be the voice for all Black people. Yeah. Right. Keith, what do you think about this menu? That's right. (laughs) God, dog, man, really? I don't speak for all Black people. (laughs) We all have different tastes. We have different things that we like and don't like. Mm-hmm. So don't be asking me what I think. Yeah, no you one can th- ask me, but ask like fifteen or twenty other people too. And if, if there's <laughs> anything that we that we have learned from the last few years with George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, like all of these things, we all have some sensitivity about what's happening. Some things that we have to deal with intrinsically. Some things we have to deal with our, with our families, and now some things we have to deal with at work. And now you're continuing to ask us to speak on behalf of or to share our stories, some of us don't want to do that. No, it's traumatizing. <laughs> Why do we have to relive the trauma? Every single time. And educate Every, you. And, and educate, educate you, you at the same along time. the way, right? Mm-hmm. Here's another microaggression all the time. You get an Asian, telling an Asian person or a Latinx person that their English is really good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what to say. I yeah. really don't. I'm just like, really? Yeah. I mean, Asian person. And look, we're talking about Asian American. We're talking about Indian descent. You know, all of that yeah. stuff. All like, and attributing the way that you speak to your level of intelligence. Yes, that's what it equates yeah. to. Uh-huh. That's what it is. So, if you can speak English, 
you're intelligent. Right. And if right. you can't, you're dumb. Yeah, yeah. You're not a good leader. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And it's crazy <laughs> because, like, we have all these people are bilingual, trilingual, speak four languages. Our American asses can only speak one. And, and can barely speak and, that one right. 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 And we the intelligent ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get on out of here. Oh, my God. Well, how about this one, man? Misgendering someone or using incorrect pronouns. Whew. I mean, this is probably as disrespectful as they can get. That's right. It's not that hard. It really isn't. It isn't that hard. Stop making assumptions. Mm-hmm. Ask people, what's your pronouns? Yeah. It's right. really it's really that simple. And then once they tell you, use them. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. the real key part because everybody gets all tied up and tongue-tied and yeah. twisted and whatever else. It's like, it's not that hard. It, it isn't. And At it, the end of the day. If they tell you what it is, you go with it. Yeah. You go with it. And to follow on along with that, it's like, oh, you don't look gay or you don't act gay. What does that mean, though? I don't even know. I <laughs> what don't does, even know what what does look gay and act gay mean? I don't know. Because, again, <laughs> it's putting you into these binary stereotypes exactly. of what, what somebody should look like or oh, act like. God. And it's just like, huh? I mean, look, I mean, we, we see this stuff in our own communities. We see this stuff at work when the people say, you know, being black, the way that you speak, oh, you don't talk black. Right. Or maybe you don't act black or, you know, they'll say something even slick like, I mean, you're different. Yes. You're I mean, not you're, like you're, the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. So, again, this goes mm. right into that that thing where you don't look gay or act mm-hmm. gay. I mean, it's the same scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think another one, you know, and you had kind of touched on it earlier where people end up saying things like, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. Well, damn, that, how convenient for you. How convenient for you. Because you know I see it. You know I see your like, light I right now. I feel it, you know. <laughs> or you're a credit to your race. Now, people may say, people don't still say that. They do. They do. Okay. <laughs> and then the other one here, all lives matter. Whew. And I don't think anybody has ever outwardly said all lives don't matter unless right. you were talking about someone who had melanin in their skin. Right. Because... We know that there is outward acts that show that people, you know, in BIPOC communities don't matter. That's right. We can look at the laws. We look at the laws. We can look at the voting, voting. rights. We, we can, can look, look at, at all of these we things. We can look at criminal justice, <laughs> health care. We can look at the Education. redlining, yes, of like the neighborhoods and whatnot. So again, all lives matter. That is pretty offensive, right? Yes. Because we can show that throughout history that that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> it's not true in America, that's for sure. Yeah. That's so if you sure. find yourself getting ready to say that, don't. Don't. That's right. Simple enough. There's secret number one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another one. Another microaggression. We got lists, Ricky. Yeah, yeah. We're going to we keep going lists. for a few minutes. We got lists. We're going to keep going. This is one that really gets me. Mm-hmm. When somebody says, I have... Black friends. I have Asian friends. I have ex-relatives. Yep, yep. I have dated a black person. I have. <laughs> I'm married to an Hispanic person. Yeah. That don't mean that you get a free pass to be stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or to do dumb shit. To do dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just great, and that. When I hear people say, oh, I have black friends, so that don't make me racist. I can't be racist. Yeah, or or that means I'm forever going to be an ally now, and there's no work that I need to do now. Right. I'm done. <laughs> I've checked the box. Yeah, I'm done. I graduated. I'm done. I'm good. Got a degree. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, look, assumed criminality. 
Okay, assumed criminality. You going deep now? When you see a black or a Latinx male, you assume they are bad or intend to commit a crime, Mm -hmm. right? Or if it's even a female that you know someone, right, who's bad or had committed a crime. That's right. That's right. (laughs) How many times have you seen that person? You walking on the sidewalk together, all of a sudden they cross the street, or they clutch that purse real tight. Yeah. Or something like that. That's assumed criminality. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just it's just little stuff. Like, sometimes when I catch Uber, because, look, I don't want to drive. I am lazy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then the Uber driver might pick me up at my house. Or, like, these days, I have them drop me off next to my house somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, this is a nice neighborhood. Oh, you live here? Is this your house? Dude, I'm almost 50 years old. I'll be like, nah, I live with my parents. You know, I'll say something stupid to them just, just because. No, I live with my parents. Right. You know, oh, that's your car? That's a nice car? Nah, I'm borrowing someone else's car. Yes. Like, again, it's assuming criminality, assuming yep. that people can't have what can't they have. have. Like, that's right. It's just, again. Can't be successful. Idiocy. That's right. Another one. This one is crazy. When you put the word like female or black or gay before a job title, when you describe it for someone, it's like, you know, it's like, Ricky, you know, the black chief people officer, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, the female marketing manager. Mm -hmm. Why you got to put those descriptors in front of the title? Yeah, exactly. They just achieve this or the director of that. They don't have to be the gay one or the black one or the Latinx one, but- all that shit is microaggressive because you're trying to point out that they're different. Yeah. No, There's I mean, something about them that now that gives you an opportunity to challenge them and put them in a different place yeah. or say that they're less than all the other shit. Yeah. I, I think if we double click on that one, the one for me is like just a myth of affirmative action. The only reason we doing this is because we don't have or, you know, whatever it is. Like, again, the myth. Now, we have all of these statistics that show how diversity makes an organization more money, how you get better thought within regions and whatnot. Profitability. But, but we still talk about that affirmative action. Yes. Y'all better <laughs> stop listening to Clarence Thomas. That's all <laughs> exactly. I'm going to say. Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop because, again, that whole affirmative action myth is just crazy. So keep give us one more, man. I'm going to give you one more. I have to start. We talked about this a little early. The myth. Yep. And this is a myth of meritocracy and individualism. This is part of Western culture. Yeah. It's a total myth. I have not met a single person who has been able to do something all by themselves mm-hmm. without any help, mm-hmm. pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. I ain't ever seen this in my entire life. Yeah, because even the business, you didn't put that fucking tar in the road to have that paved driveway to come to your business. Yeah, you didn't. Somebody gave you that business loan. Somebody gave you that loan. <laughs> you know all this stuff. There's no way you did it by yourself. So when I hear all that stuff, I'm just like, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Look, like I think ultimately, Keith, man, there's like an impact to all of this shit, right? Yeah. I mean, microaggressions have huge psychological and even physical tolls. I mean, the stuff just gets tired. It takes so much out of you, right? On marginalized people, including us, right? Like you you talked about not wanting to get up, going to work in in other episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about that toll. You and I have been there and sometimes we are still there. There is a weight on your shoulders. When you got to be the one dealing with the microgram, it would be great not to see color. 
It'd be right. great not to have to worry about microaggressions. Right. It would be great not to have to be twice as good as the next person right. or overqualified. It would be great. But since I don't know what that's like, that's right. I can tell you about the burden psychologically mm -hmm. and physically that it does take on us. That's right. It's and then when you constantly are getting, yeah, Keith, but... Mm -hmm. You know, if only you would do X, you know, yes. and yeah, that, that does take a toll on you. So ultimately, these microaggressions have a way of taking rent and space yes. on your body and in your mind. That's right. And all of that comes down to the moral story in terms of microaggressions really influence how people see racial and other marginalized groups and the value that society places on them mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Again, you say, it would be great. Sign me up. <laughs> right. Sign me up. Because I don't experience that. Microaggressions also influence if and how we can recognize these systems of inequality and oppression that considered to exist in the Western culture, right? Because, again, if you're not dealing with them, if you are the person in power or you are the person that has privilege, you don't really see them. Why should you? That's right. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want some. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want some. Yeah. Well, look, man, look. I know people think we're making stuff up a lot of times, Keith. I mean, we done ran off all of these microaggressions and talked about the impact and what we believe to be the moral of the story. Well, let's forget about all that stuff. Let's just hit them with some receipts. Okay, mm -hmm. let's talk about these receipts. And in today's receipts, we're going to summarize for you the receipts on microaggressions in the workplace. There are a ton of them. And when you get, we gave you a whole bunch of them some time ago. We're going to give you some more. We're going to give you some These more. These are some receipts. So Keith, this is right, the first Because there's a lot of them. So Curiosity at Work and Fortune Magazine surveyed 4,275 Americans about their experiences with microaggressions a couple of years back. 60% said they had witnessed a microaggression in the workplace. 47% believe that managers should discuss potential microaggressions with their employees. 29% have been told that they are well-spoken. So, that's interesting. 28% have experienced being spoken over. And 10% believe that they have committed a microaggression. Now, we know that last piece of that is a lie. Because it, that just shows you how unself-aware right. people are. If only 10% of people believed that they've committed a microaggression, I can tell you, based on the numbers that are happening daily right. from all the people that I know, that number is flipped. Yeah. And and you think about, is it the only way that they know that uh, they're committing a microaggression is if somebody tells them? Right. Like, how many times do you hear shit or just, and then you'd be like, you know what? You just let it go. You just have a these motherfuckers moment. That's right. Because right. you'd be like, man, these motherfuckers don't even know. Don't even you know. You know what I mean? Like, and, it's, right. and again, it's not worth the energy. Now I got to teach them, yeah. you know, what they're doing as a leader. You know, they should know, mm -hmm. you know, but it it happens so frequently that you can't necessarily, you can't really address every time it does happen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you don't. Mm -hmm. Every time it does happen. Look, receipt number two. A Glassdoor survey of employees in Germany, France, the UK, and the US showed that 34% experienced or witnessed ageism, okay? 33% experienced or witnessed gender-based discrimination, and 30% experienced or witnessed racism, and then 24% experienced or witnessed sexuality-based discrimination, Moral to the story is this shit's happening everywhere. It's not just yeah, in one country. Like, right. This stuff continues to happen continues everywhere. To happen. This is Western 
culture. Mm-hmm. When we talk about Western culture, this is it. It's all ingrained in all these systems. Right. So go back and read your history and see how this all started, people. <laughs> exactly. That's all I would say. Receipt number three. The Association for Psychological Science published an article that summarized research on microaggressions for the past 13 years. In a summary of over 138 surveys and research papers on this topic, they found that racial microaggressions research is both robust and rigorous. Racial microaggressions are real and have real consequences for people of color because white people are often unaware of how their words and action may cause harm. They must pay attention to what they're doing, listen empathetically, and practice humility. The review also finds that racial microaggressions have deleterious effects on the psychological and physical health of people of color. I mean, look... (laughs) The receipt shows this shit harms. It harms. It causes trauma. It Mm -hmm. harms people. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. Look, the last receipt, number four here is, according to research by Pfizer, racism and discrimination contribute to poor health among minorities and people of color, resulting in increased rates of depression, prolonged stress and trauma, anxiety, even heart disease, and type 2 diabetes. Now, I don't think it's by chance or accident that these are all uh, pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. conditions that really are exasperated by what we're going through right now in terms of the pandemic with the yep. coronavirus, Yep. right? This, That's this, right. this, this stuff is it's, there. So again, it's in order for us to like really be able to overpower and to get to a different place, folks got to kind of look in the mirror, you mm-hmm. know, here, right? And again... One study examined the racial climate and microaggressions at college campuses and found that African-American students experienced more depression, self-doubt, frustration, and isolation that impacted their education as a result. (sighs) Here we go. Yeah. At all levels. At all levels. And you just think about the ongoing and compounding impact of that, which from education to then going into a job to pay to generational wealth just all the things and think about if you don't ever have to worry about that yes and think about if you're learning about what to do when the police stop you or you know you're worried about how you need to speak in class or all of these things as a kid but you realize that most of your white contemporaries they don't have to learn about this till they get in corporate america that's right if ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's right. When they hear this, that's when they say, oh, that's that just happened to them. That's not. No. That's not. That's not indicative but every, of But every black man that we've talked to on this show <laughs> can tell you a police story. Yeah, they've told yeah. us. We ain't put it on the podcast necessarily. Mm-hmm. But they've told us, it don't matter how many degrees you got, how much education you got, how much you get paid, what your job title is, when the po-po pull you over. Yeah. They and, don't and, care. And, and, you know, and we have a lot of sisters, you know, out there, black and brown, mm-hmm. you know, who've experienced some some ridiculous police drama and everything else, too. Yeah. You know, which is crazy, you know, at the end of the day. So, look, man, we're talking about these receipts. Let's kind of switch into some of these secrets. Right. Yep. And today we're going to provide for you three secrets on how to deal with microaggressions, both as a perpetrator and a victim. Number one, expand your perspective and worldview. Number two, be accountable when you make a mistake. Number three, tie the behavior to the organizational values. Yeah, yeah, these are all good. And that's secret number one, expand your perspective and worldview. This is so important. If we're ever going to combat 
discrimination, microaggressions, inequity in our society, we all are going to have to expand our worldview and perspective. The more you know about other cultures, the more you welcome those differences into your life, the less likely you are to just say offensive things at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what does that commercial say? The more you know, the more you grow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we <laughs> right? hope, we hope, we you hope. know, that, that people right. continue to grow and that they want to grow, you know, as well. I just think this is a, a huge thing in terms of the perspective in the worldview because you realize, look, Keith, we both come from small towns right. and, you know, everything that we've been able to learn and the growth that we've been able oh, to get sure. along the way. But then you go back and you see whether it be old friends, family, whatever it is, and some of them haven't increased or widened their perspectives. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see, but the the reality is, is some of our leaders out there have the same same situation. Exactly, they have That's a wider right. perspective. These are people leading organizations, leading and organizations. Companies. And I know the pipeline. I've learned the pipeline. You go to private school, mm-hmm. then you, the private school to Ivy League pipeline, then Ivy League into management consulting, investment banking, corporate America. Yeah, you never have to see people suffering with no electricity or yep, water or yep. whatever in the South. You don't have to see people in Mexico or Honduras or China that, you know, just are suffering. Yeah. All that insulation. All, all that, that stuff. Yep. But if you see that stuff, there's no way you cannot like do anything about it if you have any compassion in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. You you would think. Right. Mm-hmm. You would absolutely think. <laughs> right. Now look, man, secret number two, and this is as simple as it sounds, this is extremely difficult in terms of being accountable. I mean, we all make microaggressions. It's not that all white yeah. people make them right. and black people don't or brown people right. don't we or whatever. all do it. Everybody does it, right? Like it's in your DNA, like mm-hmm. you do it. But the thing is, is trying to figure out how to do better, recognize it and change the paradigm, right? Yes. When you do it, apologize and don't make excuses. Yeah. Okay. Ask how you can repair the harm and the relationship. We all make mistakes. We all make own mistakes. It. Just own it. That's right. Don't do the, I apologize, but. Or I apologize if what I said made you feel a yes, certain way. If I offended you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> can you apologize for like doing it? Yes. And not do it again. And not do it again. Yeah. That's right. That's the big difference. And so anytime somebody says if or but. It's a wrap. Yeah. I didn't check out because you're not really being sincere. <laughs> right, right. Well, right. Do, do you understand my point of view? Yes and no. Yes. Well, yeah, but okay, so you don't. So you don't. Yeah, yeah so you don't. Like, like let's let's quit pretending. That's you right. Know, yes. But again, be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. That's what we ask. That's that is the toughest but easiest secret. Yep. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Of all time. Right, exactly. Probably. And our last secret, tie that behavior to corporate organizational values, right? Or your organizational values, even if you're not in corporate. At the end of the day, if you decide to speak up when somebody's doing some stupid shit against you, illustrate how that microaggression not only impacts you, but how it is like antithesis to your company values. Mm -hmm. All organizations, almost every one of them has some values to say, we're not going to do this. This is what we're about, whatever the case may be. It is hard for people to argue when you point out to them Hey, this is the value of our company. I thought and we said we were going to behave a certain way. I thought we said we were going to do this, and then this happened. So it gets real hard for people to like have deniability yeah, for yeah. their behavior when you kind of tie it back to what we're supposed to be about. Yeah. I mean, this is like being able to have accountability partners, mm-hmm. you know, here. And this kind of guides, like our guiding principles, right? This kind of guides your activities and your actions, right? Like, mm-hmm. this makes it a little... 
easier when you start thinking about what is the right type of talent for our organization or for our culture. Yeah. You know, like if your culture is toxic, you hire whoever you want. Yeah. That's <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? And the people who really want to make a difference in the community are not going to feel empowered there. No, no doubt. You, you know, like at the end of the day. So I think tying those behaviors back to the organizational values are huge. Mm-hmm. And again, easier said than done because when folks are making money, when they're doing all of these things, then it's really not a priority. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When no one's they're calling them it. on the carpet on it, everybody's getting paid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. That's right. When they say that stuff and then you know they really don't mean it. Yeah. But look, I mean, look, Keith, you and I, this is probably one of the topics that we end up spending the most time talking about, right? These are some of the things that we end up trying to repair people, you know, from Yeah, because they do harm. They hurt people's confidence Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of those things, right? We yeah. talked about that and uh, permission to succeed. Yeah, no, we sure did. And and look, you guys, we appreciate everyone listening. Okay, we appreciate everyone listening to this, regardless of what stage you are in your career. Our secrets community of practice is the real deal, right? And this is the genesis of someone asking us to go deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, on this, right? Yeah. And then, and again, if this is something that you want to hear more about, or you you want to reach out to us, by all means, we'll set up some time to have a conversation. Yeah, always, right? always. But what I'll say to you is, if you want to learn more about what we just talked about today, you can find more resources on the secrets and the receipts we shared by going to our website, secrets.com, and looking into the show notes for this episode. Or you can pose a question in our LinkedIn or you know one of our other sites, and we'll, we'll answer in real time. We'll answer in real time. <laughs> we'll answer in real time. And you can hear other people's point of views or perspectives you know, on it, too. Mm-hmm. And again, we want to shout out to all our listeners and fans out there. Y'all make it happen. Y'all make it happen. You bring it every day for us. Fill our inboxes up. All of that good thing. I mean, again, over the past year, our listenership has grown by 10x because of you. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. And you can help a brother out. Help us out. Write a review on Apple or Spotify. Join their LinkedIn group. Comment on those posts that we put out every day. Yep. All of that stuff makes a big difference in terms of us being able to grow our village and get the message out there. No, absolutely. And we and again, we ask you all just to continue to, you know, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And again, we want to keep helping people get that bread. Like this is what it's all about is recognizing that you're not crazy, being able to combat and arm yourself with the tools and resources to battle against the system, yes. you know, so to speak. What I also want to do is make sure that you all check out that merch. You yeah, know, Keith yeah. is over here sport one of them determined t-shirts right now. Always. You know, I look, we got uh, we we got a lot of flack for 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 not putting together some divine nine inspired products. So everybody's represented now. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's represented. In the building. Right. We got our LGBTQ plus pride designs as well. So look, we work hard to make sure that we have things that you all like, you know, and that we come with things that maybe aren't so traditional when we start talking about our coaching services and things that we offer. So again, our goal is to help you get that bread, help you advance in your career. So take advantage of some of our personal coaching services and some of the trainings that we offer to organizations and to individuals. So again, just check out everything we offer on the website. I just hit us up directly. Yeah, no doubt. And as we close this episode, we want to remind you again that you're not crazy. (laughs) These microaggressions are real. They are part of the system. They hold you back. They make you do things, think things, 
make you lose your confidence, all of those things. But you're not crazy. They're there and they're real. But again, hey, our cups are getting a little low over here, Ricky. <laughs> right, right. I have no ice. No ice. Your ice <laughs> no is melted. Yeah, I have no it's ice. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's right. But before we break, again, get out there and get that damn COVID shot yeah. or that booster. We're just tired of talking about it and don't want to have to talk about it no more. Because I tell you what, if we have to go into season five and six talking about this shit, I don't know what to say. Exactly. I don't exactly. know what to say. The research is over. The time is up. Let's go do the right thing. Again, thanks for listening to Secrets today. And remember, when we share, you transform. Later. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. In fact, one listener said that Secrets continues to share the inside story on how to truly accomplish your corporate ambitions. And we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, donate via Patreon, and sign up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.c-crets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when they share, you transform. Until next time, cheers!